the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Another day, another hostage situation, this time in Mali. Is this the greatest thing about me, or is this the worst thing about me? If you were to give me a map, I couldn't tell you where Mali is. I'm not even close. Mali's... Malian special forces have stormed a luxury hotel captured by gunmen in Mali's capital, Bamako, in a bid to release up to 170 hostages, some of them believed to be American. Gunmen have held siege at the Radisson Blue Hotel, located just west of the city center. Um, and we don't care about it, because it's not Parisians, right? That's kind of crazy. There's been a lot of backlash against people putting up the French flag on there. Facebook page because there's terrorist actions that happen every day and some of them far greater uh, than what happened in Paris. And people are like, well, if you really cared, you would care about Boko Haram and what's happening in Africa, but you don't. It's kind of a funny world we live in, isn't it? I think it is, at least. Anyway, European Central Bank President Mario Draghi. Dun, 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 dun. Does he not sound like the, the new bad guy in the new Star Wars film? Mario Draghi. Lord Draghi. He said in a speech this morning that the ECB will do what it must to raise inflation as quickly as possible if it thinks it's going, if it's not going to meet its inflation target. Inflation is very Goldilocksian. You don't want it too hot. You don't want it too cold. You want it just right. His remark followed on the heels of the observation from Fed Vice Chairman Fisher that some major central banks could move away from near-zero interest rate policy in the relatively near future. Their comments are not a surprise, yet they've stoked a policy divergence trade, nonetheless, that has weighed on the euro and it's bolstered the dollar. Anytime you hear strong dollar, I think weak gold, weak oil, because those are commodities. An ounce of gold is an ounce of gold. And 
barrel of oil is a barrel of oil. Whereas the dollar can change value and get worth more. It's kind of interesting. It's one of the things I like about my gig. The dollar's strength, also known as the greenback, has been a headwind for oil prices, which are once again flirting with that breaking that $40 barrel. The notion that rates could soon be headed higher in the U.S. hasn't deterred things. Higher rates means, again, stronger dollar. They're up six points. Um, the market opened positively today. Where it goes, nobody knows. Round and round and round she goes. Where it stops, nobody knows. Same thing with the stock market on a daily basis. Literally later today, you can have a Fed chairman speak and things can just go completely different. That's okay. It's pretty normal. U.S. housing is largely defined by a wealth gap, which is pretty interesting. Can you... Agree with that statement? Home values point to sharp wealth divide in the United States cities. Finding real estate that is affordable is a rarity. At a time when neighborhoods in most cities are increasingly isolated from each other by income and home values. San Francisco used to be the crown jewel of the Bay Area. And you'd go, well, at least I don't live in Oakland. Poor people live in Oakland. Now poor people don't live in Oakland. You have to be wealthy to live in Oakland. And then you're like, well, at least I don't live in Oakland, or at least I don't live in San Mateo. Now rich people live in San Mateo, too. Good luck finding affordable housing. So homes are largely unaffordable for police officers, firefighters, teachers that every city needs. So 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, Nike had a big announcement. It's doing a two-for-one stock split. It's raising its quarterly dividend by 14%, and it's implementing a new $12 billion share repurchase program. And better than expected earnings results from Abercrombie and Fitch. Those stocks are both up. Abercrombie and Fitch up huge, 15-plus percent. Nike up 4-plus percent. I like Nike. If you followed me for 20 years, you know I like Nike. <clears throat> the story doesn't change. <clears throat> They could afford dominant athletes. They could afford to basically cover about 95% of the NBA players. And if you just turn on the TV, and it's fun watching the Warriors. Again, I am such a Fairweather fan. I didn't care about the Warriors two years ago. Not a squadoosh. Didn't care about the Warriors until late last season. Not a squadoosh. But now I'm like, ooh, they've won 12 in a row. Let's watch the Clippers game tonight. And they're down big. They're down big. They're down big. Shocker, they came back to win. Um, now I'm not so impressionable as to go out and buy Nike shoes because I see a basketball player wearing Nikes or to buy Under Armour because a basketball player wearing Under Armour. I like them both. I know that Americans care more about their Nikes than they do about their 401k and their, their retirement plans. Um, when you turn on the news and you hear things like people shot each other waiting in line to get Jordans, um, people care more about sneakers than they do about, you know, their spouses. So that's why I like shares of Nike. Um, Pfizer and Allegan, they're reportedly headed down that path of acquiring each other. You know, will the Treasury Department do something to stop tax inversions? They're trying. Securities from the uh, stock market, you know, again, you have incredibly low interest rates. And people are starting to say things like, Stocks are the new bonds because you can park your money in like an AT&T and get a, a decent bond-like return. 
So that's kind of a, a psychological change. I'm not sure if you're with that or against that, but I see that definitively happening. Crude oil's right at that $40. I don't want to live in a world where crude's under 40 I know you're saying, is that your Thanksgiving holiday wish? Some people want world peace. Some people want, like, the end of hunger. I don't want to live in a world with oil under $40 a barrel. Some people see oil going to 26 That's the case. Buy the hell out of JetBlue and Southwest. Just saying, you know. 800-516-1220. Um, yeah, there's there's not really a lot of great stories out there today as far as, you know, the Nikes and the Abercrombie and Fitches, the Allergans. Uh, we are moving in towards the holiday season, and as we do that, again, people will start chilling a little bit more and not worrying about the stock market. Again, another 170-plus people held hostage. Many of them have been let go this morning already, um, which is nice. Uh, but we are in a headline risk kind of world, and that's not going away anytime soon. To get your calls on the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. We can talk about Fitbit. Down the road, is Fitbit going to be... An interesting investment. I see them as being very <clears throat> a lot of competition from Google and Apple. Fitness tracking device maker today, Jawbone, has laid off 60 employees, 15% of its staff. Jawbone was the Fitbit before Fitbit was the Fitbit, or maybe kind of both at the same time. But Jawbone shutting its offices in New York, its operations in Pittsburgh and Sunnyvale are also being downsized. Jawbone's success over the past 15 years has been rooted in its ability to evolve and to grow. So they're letting colleagues go. Interesting, right? Do you not see that the whole Silicon Valley venture capital throw money at these companies starting to get a little frayed on the edges? I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Coming up, talking Barracuda hockey. Take a break. Be right back. It's the Friday Ice Report. Friday Ice Report. Your San Jose Barracuda Hockey Updates. Welcome in. Time for a little ice hockey report. KDOW 1220 is the home, the radio home of the San Jose Barracuda. Joining me now, head coach Roy Sommer. Roy, how are you? Good, Rob. How you doing? Doing well. We're getting close to Thanksgiving, so... Kind of Wall Street doesn't care anymore. How about the the world of hockey? Are y'all still impassioned? Or are you starting to get your thoughts on the, the turkey and the gravy? <laughs> no, not really. We're gonna actually Thanksgiving Day. We're traveling from uh, Charlotte back home here, so we'll be uh, we'll be thinking of the bird while we're on a bird. What's the thoughts, sir? Or what's you've been coaching for a crazy long time? What? do the holidays look like in professional hockey for a lot of young guys who quite honestly there some of them are from Europe and some of them are from Canada they're a long way from home well Canadians they celebrate Thanksgiving I think it was last week uh, we have our Thanksgiving coming up and I'm not sure what the Europeans do they, each country has their own kind of deal I think but uh, for the most part uh, it's a chance for guys to get together like 
there'll be a couple married guys on the team and they'll have everybody over all the single guys or we just make sure that uh no one's alone on thanksgiving okay i'm good with that um how's the season going along right uh it's going pretty good actually we're probably playing the best hockey we've played all year you know we've got some continuity with uh you know we have we've got, haven't had to change the lineup in the last three games and you know, before that, we had a different lineup going into each night. Uh, when San Jose's out here, we have a lot of different uh, situations with guys getting called up. And, uh, you know, practices are different because we have guys that will be practicing with us. And then the next day, they're playing a game. So it's been good. We've been with our core guys and being able to practice our power play and penalty kill and and five-on-five five stuff with the same uh, the same guys. So I think it's made a big difference. October was a busy month for me personally, so I didn't get out to a game. November, it seems like you're just away for the whole month of November. How's the road trip going? So far, it's going pretty good. We're 2-1-1 we're one and one on the road. Um, actually, the game in Ontario could have gone either way. We lost 2-1, to one, but uh, played really well, and then took two games out of San Diego in a – hostile environment there uh you know they had over 20,000 people you know for the two games and just kind of a real rowdy place to play and we played really well there and then we went into Bakersfield and you know it was 1-1 and we lost in a shootout so you know we're playing better we're getting points out of each game and uh, now we just want to keep climbing in the standings question for you in the AHL you're the <clears throat> the minor league team of the San Jose Sharks do you play 82 games as well, or is it slightly shorter? We're shorter. Actually, we play 68 games. Our league plays 76 games, so we're playing eight, short, eight uh, less than uh, teams in the other division just because of the travel and everything. Okay, and that was intentional when they moved basically a lot of teams out to the West Coast so they could be close to their West Coast affiliates, right? Yep. Now, you'll have to do the numbers on that because you're a numbers man, how it all works out, but... Basically, it's a, it's on your winning percentage on uh, how the playoff format's going to work for our division. That's pretty interesting. Question for you. I saw the NHL just announced that they're going to three-on-three three at the, the All-Star game. I know the AHL has an All-Star game. Are you doing that crazy format as well? Um, I haven't heard about that yet. Actually, I coached the All-Star game last year. And, you know, All-Star games are – they're they're – I think they're fine and dandy for the skill competitions, you know, fastest skater, hardest shot, you know, things that, you know, the, the goaltending situations that they put them in, but the games are relatively boring. And I think, you know, it's not good for hockey. I think with, if anyone that has never seen a hockey game turns on an, an AHL or an NHL all-star game, no one hits anybody. No one cares about defense. You just don't get the same compete level as you do in a regular game. So I think they said, you know what, screw this. Let's try three on three. And they put uh, a million-dollar prize money for the winning team. So I think you're going to see uh, – I, I think it's a great idea. Three on three hockey, man, is uh, it's fun to watch. It is fun to watch. <clears throat> so coaching an all-star game, that had to be one of the career highlights for you. Yeah, I've done a few of them, but uh, you know, last year was fun. It was uh, it was in Utica, and we ended up on the the short end of it, but uh, it was fun. You get to meet all the best players in the league and sit down with them for a couple minutes, you know, either before or after the games or 
while you're sitting around and kind of see where they're from and, you know, what makes them tick and get to see their, you know, what skill level they bring in that. So it's always good to coach in those. You've seen some crazy great talent come through the Barracuda. Um, Jonathan Chitu, uh, Logan Couture, J- uh, Joe Pavelski. Uh, what's the biggest player that you've ever seen come through that you were like, this guy's going to be an NHL star? Um, I think just the, the guys you mentioned right there, okay. are, you know, have all been uh, pretty successful. So, you know, but, you know, what we've had like the Mark Smiths and Bradleys and, uh, you know, Scott Hannon was down for a little bit, not for very long. But, you know, the majority of the guys that have played for the Sharks, almost all of them have been down with us. So how's your um, offense looking this year? How's our offense? Yeah. Well, I'd like to see some more goals out of it. Uh, we've got one line that's really clicking for us right now in uh, Lurg, Carpenter, and Langlois. Actually, they've been together for well, like four games now, and they're a little over a point a game, but they just create a lot of energy. They're, you know, they're. I think they're one of the better lines in the American Hockey League right now. We've got a good, solid hard, heavy line and good road, Timmons and Parks. Uh, you know, the, you know, we try to get those guys out against the other team's top lines, and they've done a really good job. And then a third line of uh, Hanson, who we brought up from uh, the East Coast League, and McCarthy and Yespalaz. You know, those guys are chipping in a goal or two, and they play fast, so that's good. And now we're trying to get some identity and build a fourth line. We're kind of moving different parts around trying to find us a fourth line that'll create some energy and run into some people and get in the odd scrap. I've heard of Barkley Goodrow, and I've seen him play for the Sharks, and he, he looks like an up-and-comer maybe a year away. Who's this Jeremy Linglois? What's his story? Well, we got him. Uh, he was in Quinnipiac. That's where he played uh, his college hockey. Last year, he came in a, into our camp, and he was real impressive, and they had him on an American League deal and basically started eating up the American League. He was He's a guy who's super fast. You know, he, he has a hard, high compete level, goes hard to the net. Um, you know, has a lot of hockey sense. And you know, and then right once he got once he got going, he ended up breaking his leg, and uh, that set him back. And I think he's just starting to you know feel uh, feel himself again. And you know. And now we're seeing really how he can play, why we signed him in the first place to an uh, NHL deal. I think you'll see him up with the Sharks at one point this year. Sounds good, Roy. you got about six or seven games coming up in December. Great stocking stuffers for people. They can get tickets at sjbarracuda.com. It's just sjbarracuda.com. Good luck with the rest of your road trip, and I look forward to seeing a game sometime in December, and I'll come up and say hello. Okay. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Roy. Talk. Roy Summer, winningest coach of all time in the AHL. That's a pretty cool title. I can't say that. Um, Big hockey fan. If you've never been to a game, get tickets for the Barracuda for December. Stocking stuffer. It's awesome. It's 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 one step below the NHL, but not by a lot because these guys are a lot younger than the NHL and a lot hungrier. This is not an exhibition. This is a competition. I'm Rob Black. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Joining me now, certified financial planner Lauren Lyons-Cole. 
personal financial editor with the International Business Times. How are you, Miss Cole? Great. How are you, Rob? Doing well. I always like talking to you because that CFP designation is something I'm attracted to, and I just think it's it's the best designation. And I know that anything that you say, it's going to be worth not doing, but trusting. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. So you've got a story that you've been working on on crowdfunding college loans. Yeah. I feel so out of it. Like, <laughs> I didn't have this option 25 years ago. It's definitely a function of uh, the sharing economy that we live in, I believe, um, you know, and also a function of the student loan burden that is just overwhelming to a lot of millennials. And a lot of them, one out of four student loan borrowers is, is really struggling to make payments. And so many of them are turning to desperate measures. I mean, whatever they can do to figure out a way to manage these um, these payments. Now, crowdfunding is the concept of you go online and you write up a little report. I'm going to come up with a helicopter that follows you around. I'm going to come up with a video game from our childhood, but a real-life Pac-Man. You come up with an idea, and then you ask the Internet world to fund you. You're telling right. me that this concept is, is somehow translating into college loans? Well, you know, I think it's it's certainly it started with these creative projects where people are looking for backing to go out into the world, you know, and, and make something. Um, I actually interviewed a woman for this article who has a similar take on uh, the situation. She actually works in a nonprofit. She helps women who are survivors of domestic violence, um, and she feels very passionately about this. And, you know, she, she can't keep up with her student loans because her salary is so low and she works a second job. I mean, she really does everything she can, and she doesn't want to leave her industry. So she thought, you know, why don't I go online and see if there are people out there who want to support me in continuing to do the work I do? And, and she's actually in a tough situation because she actually defaulted on her student loans, which is even, you know, it's a, it's a bit more stressful than just trying to keep up with the payments. Sure. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, so she's kind of using crowdfunding. Instead of creating the next cool drone, she's trying to keep uh, doing, she's trying to keep helping people, basically. What do people give up in lieu of getting money? Typically, you have to say something like, I'm going to make a robot if you give me money. Mm-hmm. And then you have to deliver said robot. Um, what are people giving up in order to get funded? So I spoke to some experts, uh, some people who who know about crowdfunding. Um, okay. And what I was hearing from them is that, you know, in a Kickstarter sort of situation, you might be sending out an actual product after the fact. If you're just trying to fundraise, for instance, there's another website called Edco. Um, I spoke to the founder of that site, and they do fundraising for um, K-12 extracurricular projects. Um, and he said it's really important to stay in communication with your fu- uh, funders. So in this case, she's not sending anything out to the people who are contributing to her, but it's a relationship just like any fundraising. So she has to, you know, send updates, let people know how it's going, what her progress is like. Um, and, and, you know, people really want to feel like they're, contributing to, like, they're furthering a cause. And so I guess she's giving that out, really, a feel-good sort of feeling Satisfaction. for people. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, yeah. Now, I think I saw in your article something like 6,666 current GoFundMes are tied towards college education. Yeah. Um, isn't that a funny number? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, and every time I go in and check and do another search, that number's grown. So it's just constantly growing. And I... You know, when you look at these GoFundMe pages, there's a lot of um, a lot of people who just sort of throw them out there because they're like, well, why not try to get some money? Who knows? Maybe it'll work. So many of the campaigns that are listed, thousands of them, have nothing raised because um, there's no real reason to get behind 
this person's situation. And so I think uh, the woman who I interviewed, her name is Erin, and I think what Erin did that was uniquely successful is that she really told her story. She was very open about, here's where I've been having trouble, here's what I'm doing, um, here's why I need this money, and, and um, you know, in her case, it's so she can continue to work at the nonprofit. Um, so most campaigns are not having the success that she's having, and I think that's important to note. So this is not a good solution for people who are in over their heads when it comes to student loans or who might be facing default. It's one option, um, but it's not going to work every single time. Where does this go? Because hearing stories like this scare me. I you know, got through college. I got a decent job. Um, and I'm just seeing more and more people come out of college with massive amounts of debt going bankrupt. Uh, in your article, you talk about people who are selling musical instruments just to make yeah. ends meet. And to me, that's like America is failing. I don't want to say that, but it yeah. certainly feels that way. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people went to college and just had no idea what they were getting themselves into. And I think this is actually changing because there's so much press around the student loan burden these days that uh, new college freshmen have a better understanding. It's still not perfect knowledge. We, you know, when we're 18, it's, it's really hard to understand how debt works. But I think this is going to get better. The problem is for people who've already got so much debt, it's really not going away. And we need to help them come up with a way to manage this process. And what I see working with clients, um, you know, I, I work with many clients who have student loans, and a lot of times they don't want to face them. So it's easier to just sort of ignore the problem, push it off. Um, but if you're having trouble paying your loans, the first thing you want to do is contact your lender and be very open about the fact that you're struggling because they don't want you to default. They're going to work with you. And, of course, you might call and get a representative who's not sympathetic. There's nothing wrong with hanging up and trying again because if you just keep calling, eventually you'll find someone who's willing to you know, be compassionate and help you. Speaking with CFP Lauren Lyons-Coles from IB Times, you can find her articles at ibtimes.com. Search Cole, C-O-L-E. You brought up something that I kind of learned in my early 20s. Um, I used to not want to take off my shirt when I was intimate with a woman. And then I kind of got over that shame. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to do the same exact thing when it comes to money. You have to open the statements and see how much money you don't have. You have to call the lenders and say, I can't pay my bill. Um, talk a little bit about behavioral issues and approaching your, your financial issues. Yeah, you know, there's this real psychological block, I think. Um, and it's funny, it, sex and money are very similar in this way. You know, they're hard topics um, to, to broach. And I think especially with money, many people feel um, uneducated. Many people feel down on themselves. Like, I don't know what I'm doing when it comes to money. I'm, I'm the only one. My situation's horrible. I hear that so many times. Um, and when I really start talking to someone, it's often to be able to say, you know what, it's really not that bad. Here are the weaknesses, here are your strengths, and here's what we're going to do to get you to the next level. Um, and it can be hard sometimes to do that on your own. But truly, I find when people face the issue, that part, but once you get over that, you start to make progress. So with student loan debt in particular, opening the statements, making those calls, um, and knowing, don't, you know, don't judge yourself. So what? So it is what it is. This is the situation you're in. It's not good or bad. It just is. Uh, and from there, once you know what it is, you can start getting to a place where you feel more secure and more in control. Very empowering for sure. So back to crowdfunding. What do you think we, the average, or what do you think we, the successful people who are beyond the college funding expenses issues should be doing? Um, how can I be helping my fellow man? 
Yeah. Well, you know, uh, if you do happen to see a friend post on Facebook a crowdfunding, you, you, it's likely that those might start to pop up in people's uh, news feeds. So if you see that, it's something to consider just in the same way that you might donate to someone who's running a marathon and, and raising money for heart research or whatever. This is a, a personal issue for people. Um, one piece of advice, though, if you are considering contributing to a crowdfunding campaign, make sure that you know the person is who they say they are. You know, it's, it's good to, to contribute to someone who you already have a relationship with um, because you just never know. I mean, clearly, and there's not a lot of auditing and record keeping that goes on in this situation. Um, it's considered a gift for tax purposes. So, you know, it's, these people aren't reporting the money they raised to the IRS. Um, so you want to make sure that you're giving to someone who you trust. Okay. Any final thoughts? Any any ideas that you, you got out of this article that you want to share with us? Well, um, I, you know, I think the only thing I would say is that this it just continues to be such an issue. And I think that it's important for all of us to be having these conversations, to be continuing to think about creative solutions because, you know, we're all in it together at the end of the day. We might not all have the student loan debt, but um, if, if our neighbor is suffering and not able to buy a home, not able to feel like a functioning part of our society, you know, it, it hurts all of us um, from an economic point of view. So it's, it's an important topic. I always look forward to the topics that you bring to the table. Thanks very much. It's CFP Lauren Lyons Cole. She got a great gig working for the IB Times, International Business Times, IBTimes.com, personal financial editor for IBTimes.com. And, uh, I love that CFP designation. I think you kind of know that if you ever listen to me talk with CFP Chad Burton. Um, some CFPs can talk beautifully and eloquently. Some of them not so much um, because they are so hardcore, do the right thing. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. I had a tough time getting a guest from IB Times this week because of what happened in France last week. It shows you that the media world really you know, has to... Always keep uh, moving forward as far as uh, what they're throwing out there. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, One of the things we were talking about there is young people and college education costs. And what's really, really tragic about that and why I'm kind of – I like the idea of giving money to college graduates who have debt is I kind of want them to get out of debt. And I kind of want them to start seeing the world and living in the world and not necessarily living with mom and dad. Um, I think younger people are getting robbed by older people. And you see that perfectly in situations like Proposition 13 in California. Um, only 13% of investors feel confident, comfortable, and secure with their current situation. Um, I'd like to see that number grow. I'd like to see some thoughts be put in Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and other uh, areas along those levels uh, because tax burden on the young people it's rising and they're already behind eight ball with their college costs and starting life kind of late I'm Rob Black talking all things financial you're listening to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220, KDOW, and iHeart Radio Station. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Looks like we got a phone call, Mike, in San Francisco. Mike? 
Mike. Go ahead. Yeah, I have uh, two questions uh, uh, for you about a couple stocks. The first is the Ford Motor Company. They keep reporting good earnings, but the stock doesn't go up. That was my first question. The second one I'd like to ask you about is the Cheesecake Factory. They reported earnings, and the stock kind of went down a little bit. So I want to know what your long-term position was on that. Okay. Um, Ford manufactures cars, so I'm not a big guy who likes manufacturers. Um, just that's my straight-out quick thought. Ford is a cheap stock, and thanks for the call. Taking a look at Ford, um, what you have is an American car company, um, as you probably well know. I don't think that's a big secret to you. Uh, and the numbers are good, and it, there's a lot of value tied towards it. Um, not much of a dividend, not much. Uh, so you're not really owning it for that kind of play. Um, it seems to have a great bottom around 13, and it has a, an enormous tough time getting above 16 and a half, 16.50. So you kind of know that those are your ranges at this point in time. Um, taking a look at Ford to see if there's anything you know super exciting going on. The car industry is having a record year. Not a record year, but a very, very strong year. Um, looks like they're going to sell 18-plus million cars in the United States. So this is as good as it gets, and that should be worthy of note. One area that I have a little bit of problem with is that Ford still has unions, and that's a really, really tough thing because it, it's like our old people. They want entitlements. Um, they want job securities. They want great wages. They want great health care. Um, Ford, working with your UAW partners, have reached a tentative agreement for the next four years. Um, it has to get ratified, but it's going to give them you know, a strong community of workers for the foreseeable future. Sales were up 13% year over year in October. Um, if that's not getting the stock moving, what's going to get the stock moving? The news is as good as it gets right now for the auto industry. You've got incredibly cheap gasoline, so people are going, you know what? I will take that Ford F-150 truck which is an amazing piece of engineering, and they make a ton of money on SUVs and trucks, not so much on some of their cars. I can't get excited, ultimately, um, by car companies. Uh, there's a lot of competition, and we are, you know, we shop as much as best we can. But one of the problems that I have is Americans are already buying <clears throat> enormous amount of cars. Keep in mind, during the Great Recession, we kept our cars later, longer. So they are lasting a good deal longer. This is one of the world's largest automakers. When you think Ford, you think Mustang. You think F-Series pickup trucks. You think Focus, Lincoln, Fiesta, Taurus. Taurus. <laughs> Does that car not scream terrorist driving it around? Or is it just me? I haven't seen a Ford Taurus in quite a while. Um, it's not that hip of a car. So, and again, that's an attempt at humor. And what isn't funnier than terrorists driving cars, right? Um, Ford owns a small stake in Mazda. Just can't get excited by car companies. It, it, I keep coming back to that same statement again and again and again. Um, demand for companies new as vehicles pushes forward sales to a 13% gain in October. Like that's a great number, and the stock's not moving. That's a great expectation. They expect to have a strong 2016. They're on track to deliver strategic objectives. Their destocking was a headwind for third quarter. Otherwise, it would have been a smoother, you know, between fourth quarter and third quarter. Um, they're hit by a little bit of supplier constraint, which was not expected and will not hit in the fourth quarter. They see some stabilization in passenger cars. I would use it as a trade at this point in time. I I wish I could see, why is it not moving? And what it comes down to is it's kind of a value play. And what's moving, not values at this point in time. Do I think it can get 16.5? Yes. Do I think a trade from 13.5 to 16.5 is a great deal? 
Yes. Um, do I think the stock is going to get you into any trouble? No. Um, unless you see oil go up to $100 a barrel, and then people are going to start reevaluating their opinion on gas guzzlers and, and trucks. But no one thinks that's happening anytime soon. Um, as far as Cheesecake Factory, I've always been perplexed by Cheesecake Factory. What a huge menu. If you've ever worked in the food industry, um, there's a ton of spoilage and a ton of waste. And how do they have such a big menu? Their service is pretty great. Um, you know, it's consistent across, you know, the nation. Um, they're competing right now in a pretty crowded space of food in the world of food and restaurants. I kind of believe in the game of Highlander. They can only be one. And I'm not saying all these guys should run around and cut each other's heads off, but why do you have to look beyond Starbucks? Um, for me, I don't get it. I get that you look at things like um, Buffalo Wild Wings and Shake Shack, and I get that you know things will come and, and go in favor, and you'll be like, ooh, I want that one. Um, this is a company that has a ton of sales. You know, They're not a small company. Um, I don't like the fact that their restaurants are so huge, um, in large part because that's a square footage thing to me. Um, but it is nice that every time you go into a Cheesecake Factory, they're always busy. Um, I think if you were to put a gun to my head, I, I'd, I'd say pull the trigger instead of make me eat at Applebee's. Please don't ever make me eat at Applebee's. Um, Cheesecake Factory, I'll go like, hey, uh, I'll find something there. That's good. Um, the restaurants have industrial strength menus. Um, 190 casual restaurants in 37 states, 200 menu items, everything you can imagine from seafood to steaks to salads. Typically, when you go into a mall, you see it crowded. Maybe that's a little bit of a negative. People aren't going to malls as much as they used to. Um, they've got 70 different types of cheesecake. How do they keep all this stuff fresh? Um, they kind of have an opulence to them, all things considered. They own some other concept restaurants, um, Grand Lux Cafes and Rock Sugar Pan Asian Kitchen. So they're starting to sell some of their, their frozen goods into grocery stores, which, you know, I'm never going to be like, hey, when you go to the grocery store, when you stop off at Safeway, give me a cheesecake from Cheesecake Factory, please. Like, it's not exactly a pressing um, thought in my head. It's got a little bit of a dividend yield. It's got a high P.E. for a restaurant. Again, you're comparing their P.E. to other restaurants, but you're also comparing their P.E. to the stock market, and it feels a little bit expensive. Expensive. Um, I certainly think it's a tradable stock, and it's certainly not a stock that's going to get you into a lot of trouble. Uh, but a pretty high valuation, a lot of support right around 42, and it's at 47 right now. It looks like it could move over time as it has moved over time nicely. But it's not exactly um, a, a mover and shaker in revenues, or they're not going to come out with Cheesecake Factory 2.0. If you get what I'm saying, I'm Rob Black. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.